Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge, all of you in the room, all of you online. Thank you for being here. So um, one thing that I absolutely love to do is hike. I love hiking. I don't know uh, who in here loves that. Um, I know when uh, I took my wife on a hike before we were engaged, we were not married yet, and, uh, and she hates hiking. She really doesn't like hiking. And so we got married anyway, and, uh, and so, we, we, so it's all working out, okay? But let me just tell you, we had to work through this. So we were engaged, not married yet, and I took her down to this beautiful waterfall, but the whole way back up, it was about a mile all up on the way back up. And so about three quarters of the way, we had made it most of the way back. She sat down on a rock and I was like, where's my wife? And I turned around and she's back on the rock crying, you know, and she's just sobbing. She's like, I hate this. I need you to know I hate this. You need to marry somebody who loves this. And so we worked through it. We talked through it. We're fine. But I love hiking. And so one of the things that I actually love also in addition to hiking is I love backpacking. And the reason I love backpacking is because backpacking gets you into places where no other human beings typically get. Right? Because you're literally carrying everything on your back. Right? And so you can get into some serious backpacking country terrain. I've been in serious bear country, backcountry terrain where I haven't seen another human being uh, other than the, maybe the one person or the, the few people that I'm with. And they're the only other human beings that we've seen for days. Let me just tell you, that is amazing. Some of you are like, that sounds terrible, right? But for me, this is amazing. So I love backpacking. But let me just tell you, my first backpacking trip that I was invited on was when I was in college. I went to college in central Indiana and, uh, and I was invited on this backpacking trip to backpack through Indiana. Now, I know what you're thinking. How many of you, when I say the word Indiana, you think of this state, this picture is what you think of. Like, when, when you see this, how many of you think this is, this is what you think of as Indiana? Okay, so I was born in Marion, Indiana, which is in central Indiana, so I think the same thing. Literally, around Marion, Indiana, this is what it looks like in every single direction. It's flat and cornfields everywhere as far as you can see. Okay, with, with highways and little dirt roads going in between them. That's how Indiana is. So when I was invited to go backpacking through Indiana, I kind of chuckled a little bit. I'm like, backpack through Indiana, that's hilarious. You know, like, what are we going to do? Go through somebody's cornfield, you know? And so they're like, no, 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 we're going to go down in southern Indiana. We're going to do that. Okay, so I agreed. And I'm like, but I've never been backpacking before. I've been hiking, but I've never carried everything I need on my back. Very different, let me just tell you. Going on a day hike versus backpacking, very different because you have to carry everything you need on your back. And so we went on this uh, trail, it's called the Knobstone Trail, okay, in southern Indiana. It's called the Knobstone. It is a 50-mile-long trail, okay, we, took, we did 47 miles of it, 50 miles long, and it's called the Knobstone Trail because we were going to take four days in the wilderness on the Knobstone Trail, and it goes up and down these Knobstone Hills. Now, Knobstone is really, it's really deceiving because you think of a knob as like a doorknob, right? That's kind of what I think. I'm like, Knobstone, okay, this, this can't be that big. No, these hills are huge, Right? And they don't switch back like they do on mountains. You just go up and then you go down. And then you go up and then you go down. And then you go up. That's literally 50 miles of that. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is really, really dumb. But that's what it was. Knobstone Trail. And so I have a picture. Like you think of Indiana as flat cornfields. Here's a picture uh, from the Knobstone Trail. This is what it looks like. Okay? It looks like the Appalachian Mountains. 
In fact, I did not know this until many years after I did this backpacking trip, but this, this Knobstone Trail is called the Little Appalachian Trail. People will actually train on the Knobstone Trail before they do the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, oh, that would have been good to know before I signed up and said, I'm going to carry everything I need on my back, right? And so I, but here's the thing. We did all this. Now, let me tell you, this trail kicked my tail, okay? It did. But the reason it did is not because of the difficult terrain. It was because I had never been back before and I packed way too much weight in my pack. I was like, okay, if it rains, if it, if it gets cold, if it gets hot, you know, and so I had like so many different types of clothes and I had so much food because I don't know if you've noticed, I like to eat. And I'm like, four days in the woods is a long time. And I, make sure, I want to make sure I have enough food. And so my pack weighed probably twice as much as it probably should have. This trail kicked my tail. And the main reason was is because I packed way too much burden on myself. Let me just tell you that the key to a successful backpacking trip is not packing too much weight. That's the key. Number one, that, just like that. Don't pack too much weight. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up to say this. We're going to wrap up our series that we've been in called cow tipping. We're not tipping over physical cows. We're tipping over sacred cows. These are ideas. These are beliefs. These are thoughts that we have that are either not true, irrelevant, or not helpful. Usually the sacred cows are all three. Today's sacred cow is a little bit of not true and very much not helpful especially when you're talking to somebody going through something difficult. But we use this phrase fairly often. And when I give it to you, you're going to know it. This is a difficult sacred cow because it is totally misunderstood. So let's get into it. The sacred cow for today, and I actually put it on the screen for you this time because it's longer, is this. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. This is a sacred cow belief that a lot of us have. In fact, I've heard many people tell me this. Well, but God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, is that true or is it not true? Well, let's talk about it. The truth is, I would tell you that this statement is both true and not true at the same time. And some of you would say, now, hold on. Something can't be true and not true at the same time, right? That's, that's what you'd say. And I would say, you're right, absolutely. I would agree with you. You can't have something that's true and not true at the same time. This statement is not true and not true at the same time. What makes it true or not true is based on how you are viewing this phrase. How you view this phrase. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, if I say that phrase, and this is what you believe, you believe that God does not give us pain and suffering, hard things, right? If you believe God does not give us hard things in our life, that he didn't create pain and suffering and all kind of stuff, and that he wouldn't willingly give that to us, then you are correct that God does not give us more than we can handle. You are right on that. From a theological perspective, God did not create a world of pain and suffering. He didn't do that. His intention when he created the world was perfection. He created a world, he created a situation where it was supposed to be perfect, but then he gave us a choice of whether or not to follow this perfect world, and we chose not to, which is what brought sin in, which is the brokenness. And so as a result, 
God won't give you more than you can handle. If you're thinking of this from a theological perspective, God won't, won't cause pain and suffering in our life. You're right. God wouldn't cause pain and suffering in your life. That's true. He doesn't create it. But the truth is, I don't know if you've noticed, has anybody noticed that this world is a little bit of a problem sometimes? Have you noticed there's a little bit of pain going on? Have you noticed that there's, there's issues? Has anybody ever seen that people like to fight online over politics at times? Has anybody ever noticed that? Have you noticed how the political debates have gone over the last like three, four, five years? We can't even have a debate, right? Because they just start yelling at each other. There's a few problems in our world, isn't there? That didn't come from God. That came from sin and the brokenness of this world. So if, if it, this phrase is somewhat true from a theological perspective, maybe how, where, where did it come from if it's not true? How we view it. Well, let me tell you where it came from. It actually came from the Bible. This phrase actually comes from the Bible. But it's a scripture passage. It's a verse that you and I, we tend to twist we kind of we misunderstand it and we twist the words to make this, God won't give you more than you can handle, a belief that we hold on to. Let me give it to you. So it's the Apostle Paul writing and it's in 1 Corinthians and it's uh, chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. He doesn't, he's not saying that we're all tempted exactly the same way. What he's saying is that we're all tempted. We all have temptation. We all have temptation to sin. Um, and, and that's what he's saying. Okay? We, don't, we don't have the same ones. What you're tempted by and what I'm tempted by, probably not the same thing. What he's saying is we're all tempted. Okay? We're all in the same boat here. And God is faithful. God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, at first glance, you might say, well, this seems to support the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, because the Apostle Paul just wrote, well, if, you know, God won't let you be tempted more than you can bear, or more than you can endure, more than you can handle. Isn't that what he said? That's true. But notice that he is talking about something very specific. He's talking about what? He's talking about temptation. Temptation to sin. He's talking about temptation that leads you away from God. He's saying that God will always provide a way out for you. You can never, in other words, uh, have you ever had where, you know, somebody did something wrong, maybe it was one of your kids, maybe it was, you know, a friend, maybe it was a coworker. some of you are bosses here, you kind of lead your business, right? Have you ever had somebody that made a mistake and then they have 12 different excuses as to why they made the mistake? Right? And what, you, what do you know? What do you know deep down? You know ultimately it was on them. What, what the Apostle Paul is saying is when we are tempted to sin, we always have a way out. We always have a way out. But here's what he's not talking about. He's not talking about problems. He's not talking about stress. He's not talking about worry. He's not talking about fear. He's not talking about any of that. He's not talking about not being able to handle that. He's talking about temptation, specifically. What the Apostle Paul is saying is temptation will never be more than you can bear, but he's not mentioning all this other stuff. Now, can worry and doubt and fear, can, can that lead to sin? Of course. Of course it can lead to sin. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about all these problems. And the truth is, in this trouble, or in this life, we will have trouble. Remember Jesus said that? 
John 16, Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Right? Now, I, just, just pause for a moment. I, I've, I'm, you, don't, you don't realize, but I've been, I'm already way off of where this says I'm supposed to be. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I typed it up, you understand. When you read, when you hear Jesus say that, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, does it feel a little bit like, okay, but I'm really leaning on the first part because that wasn't exciting. Does, does it, is anybody else there, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I lean sometimes on the first part and I'm like, Jesus, I'd rather you just say in this life you're not gonna have trouble as long as you follow me. How many of you would prefer that? right? How many of you prefer that scripture, okay? If I was going to be honest, that's where I would be. I'd be like, I would really like Jesus to have said, as long as you follow me, then trouble will not follow you. You're going to be just, it's all going to be great, okay? I would like that scripture, but that doesn't exist in God's word. What he says is, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart. It's okay. Be encouraged. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. But the truth is we don't like this, the the reality that we have trouble in this life. And can we be honest for a minute? Sometimes the trouble in this life is more than we can handle. Isn't it? Sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes we're like, ah, I got this. Sometimes things happen, things in our life, they're more than we can handle. The weight, the weight is so, so heavy. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us this. In uh, the next book, 2 Corinthians, he's talking about this. And he's explaining to followers of Christ, he's explaining this, he's saying, when you go through tough stuff, God will give you peace and God will give you comfort. He's talking about that and he's talking about this weight, this weight that we carry that's way too heavy for us to carry. We cannot endure it. We cannot handle it. And he's talking about that and he says, when that happens, when you experience that, God will give you comfort. And then the Apostle Paul gives us a very specific example from his own life. He doesn't just say, in theory, this is true. He says this, This is what happened to me and some of the people that you know. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 1.8. Paul says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, when it says brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. That sounds like they can't handle it. It's more than they can handle. Doesn't it sound that way? And we thought... We would never live through it. What Paul is saying is the the intensity of what they went through in this, uh, this province of Asia, it was something that they could not handle. They didn't think that they were going to live through it. That's how bad it was. They didn't think they were going to make it. It was definitely more than they could handle. And so... I don't know if you noticed what the Apostle Paul said. He used this word crushing. Have you ever felt in life that you were crushed? That you were just kind of crushed by something? Have you ever been there? I know we don't like to talk about these things, but have you ever been in a moment in in a situation in life where it was so overwhelming, it was so intense that it it was just weighing on you? You could physically feel it in your chest and you knew it wasn't a heart thing. It It was simply the pressure, the grief, The stress, the shame. Have you ever experienced that? 
So let me just tell you a story when I did. And this is almost kind of a small, silly example because it was a, it was a really fast moment. Uh, but when I was in college, um, I traveled on a ministry team. And I've told this story, a version of this story once before for a completely different reason because <clears throat> I didn't focus on this part. But uh, I traveled on this ministry team and our goal, like our, our whole mission from this college was, because I went to a Christian college, uh, was to go out and to travel to different youth camps for the whole summer, right? And so we would go from youth camp to youth camp to youth camp to youth camp. We'd lead worship and music. We were camp counselors. We played the games. We did, and it was constant, literally every week. And then in between the camps, you know what we did? This is crazy that the college did this. I'm surprised we survived this, okay? Um, in between the youth camps when we were just, I mean, you, you want, have you ever done a youth camp before? Let me just say. It is no joke. Like by the time you get to Friday, Thursday or Friday, you're like, I I haven't slept. I'm I'm, I'm literally going slightly crazy here because I I, I haven't slept. And so in between that, we would go to churches on the weekend and do concerts or lead worship. That's what we did. So we did youth camp, churches and concerts, youth camp, churches, concerts, youth camp. And we did that for 10 weeks. By the time I, when I got home, I kid you not, I slept for like two days. You can ask my mom. She's here. She, she can tell you. I didn't call friends. I didn't do anything. I was just exhausted. And so this is what this ministry team was there to do. We were there to do ministry, to do God's work. But can I tell you that inside this ministry team, there were eight of us, we were emotionally and relationally very unhealthy. We looked good on the outside. But if you were to dig into the relational dynamics between our group, it was really, really bad. And here's why it was bad. There were two people in our group who were dating, and right before we went into the summer, which is not a good timing on their part, uh, they broke up, all right? And so then there were some people that had to take this side with this person, and then there were some people, you know, flirting with this person over here on the team, and so some people went this way, and so we had like two fractions. We had three people over here and five people over here, and, and we had this just... Do you ever, does anybody have that in, in their family or in their life? It's like sandpaper. You walk into the room and you just, you look at the person, you're like, or you try not to. Does anybody growl at people like I just did? How many of you want to growl at somebody? Just, just, just let them know, I need you to leave the room. Dogs have it so easy. But that's what was going on in this ministry team. And so we had this one night where we had this rare free night. We, we went back to campus. We were in between the camps. And for some reason, we didn't have a, a scheduled thing on Friday night. We had something on, I think, Sunday morning and then another youth camp. But we didn't have anything Friday night. And so we were back on campus and just had a free night. And so there's a, a guy, a gentleman, an adult that lived on campus that helped with the university. And he invited uh, this one smaller group of us to to come over to his house to kind of swim at the pool and have pizza and all kinds of stuff. Just hang out, you know, relax. And so what we knew is when he invited us to go, here's what we knew. We knew that the only right thing to do was to invite the other five. But we didn't. We chose to keep them out of it. And the reason was because there was this friction, this, this drama, this issue, and, and honestly just wanted a night free from that. And so we hid the fact that we were invited and we, the three of us, went. Okay? 
had a great night, blah, 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 whatever. Next morning, we come back together as a team, right? Woo, we're a happy team. And the guy, one of the guys from this other group of five, he comes over and he and I, he and I were kind of the ones that were trying to play the bridge between the two. You understand? And, and he comes to me and he, he stands right in front of me. I'll remember to this day, we were in a parking lot and he stands right in front of me. And he says, Brent, uh, I just need to ask, did you go to so-and-so's house and swim and, and eat and whatever, hang out there last night? And of course I had to say, yeah, yes, we did. And then he asked me this question. He said, Brent, why did you lie to us by not telling us? Why did you cut us out of this? Here's, here's what I know. I can still physically feel how I was shaking, the pressure in my chest in that moment. I was sweating, right? And it wasn't that hot. It was in the morning. It was just, it was all, you know what it was? It was this crushing shame and guilt that was just sitting and it wasn't wrong for him to call me out that that needed to be done I knew I was wrong I knew it but it was crushing it was it was just pressing down on me and so the only thing I knew uh, the I knew that the only way to release that in that moment because I had a lot of thoughts and ideas of what I could say and some of them weren't good but the only thing that I thankfully did say is I apologized and asked for forgiveness from him. I said that was wrong. It was wrong of me to go along with it. But it was this crushing, suffocating shame. Let me just pause for a moment and ask you this. We don't like to think about this. But have you been in a season in your life where you had this crushing depression? Depression is one of those things that there's a stigma attached to it and so you don't talk about it, right? Because it's not, like if, like if I break my arm, everybody knows because I've got a sling, right? And I'm like, hey, I broke my arm and nobody cares. They're like, well, just get over it. Just get over it. You broke your arm, get over it, right? But here's what we do with mental health. We like get over it, don't we? Depression can be crushing, can't it? Overwhelming to where you don't even want to leave the house. You don't want to get out of bed. Have you ever felt crushing guilt, crushing shame, crushing loss, grief? Some of you have recently experienced this, right? And the truth is that sometimes we have more than we can handle in this life. Isn't that true? And I don't know about you, but when somebody comes to you and they, they share that they're going through something really, really difficult, let me just give you some advice. The phrase that should not come out of your mouth is, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Has somebody ever said that to you? How many of you wanted to punch him in the face? You get really vulnerable and you share how hard life is right now. And then they say, well... You know, you're going to be okay because God will never give you more than you can handle. Thanks for that. I would like to hit you in the face right now. And then I'm going to walk away. Right? Why? Because it's not helpful. And it's actually not true. Now, is God giving you more than you handle? No. But this life does. 
Life gives us more than we can handle. So the question becomes, how do we deal with it? What should it lead us to? How do we, how do we, because I don't know about you, but this is kind of a downer message at this point, isn't it? Like some of you are like, where are we getting to the good stuff? Are you waiting for that? You're kind of like, when do we turn the corner? <laughs> what's, what's the deal with the board? You know, how many of you are thinking of that, right? Like all these things, right? Let's move on. We don't like to sit in the pain, and I understand that. But I want us to make sure that we understand because we as Americans, you know what we tend to do? We tend to act like everything's fine. We're good. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and we're strong. We're powerful. We can handle anything. And we die and slowly inside, emotionally, mentally, as a result, because we never ask for help. Until it's really, really bad. Until we hit the bottom of the barrel. And so what I want to say is, what do we need to do when we hit the bottom of the barrel? When it feels like everything is crushing. Grief is crushing. Depression is crushing. What should it lead us to do? Well, the Apostle Paul actually tells us in that same verse, I want to take this back. I'm going to read the same verse I did, but then I'm going to read the very next verse where he gives the answer to this, the encouragement, what it should lead to, where it should take us. Okay, listen to this. Remember he said this already. I already read this. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Now catch this. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. What did, what did the overwhelmed, more than they can handle, what did it lead the Apostle Paul to? To rely on who? To rely on God. It pointed them to God. Can I tell you where it largely sometimes leads people to rely on? It leads them to rely on themselves. I'm just going to be honest. That is a tendency of mine. A tendency of mine is to solve problems. I, I like to solve problems, right? It's partly why I'm a teacher at heart. It's partly why I'm a pastor, right? Because I see issues and I want to help. I, I just, I long to be helpful in some way. I want to solve problems. And the truth is that this is talking about how do we solve the problem? Sometimes my tendency is that I just work harder. I'm like, here's a solution. This is what we need to do. That's where I go very, very quickly. I just, that's, that's my mode. I'm like, okay, how are we going to work this problem? How are we going to solve this? Instead of stopping and going, okay, maybe the problem is that I'm not recognizing that it's a real problem and I need to allow God to help me with this. Maybe I actually need to rely on God in this moment instead of say, Brent, you're strong enough. You can do it. But that's my tendency. The truth is, if you catch nothing else today, when you are facing stuff, and some of you are facing it, I know right now, you're in it. When you are facing crushing defeat, crushing depression, crushing shame, guilt, whatever, if you hear nothing else, rely on God. He is my shield. He is my provider. He is my strength. He is my portion. He is my savior. He is my all in all. He is my uh, soldier. He is my everything. 
You'll, you'll hear all of those things, by the way, that I just mentioned in Scripture. God is everything. Is he everything to you? Are you willing to rely on God? Now, the question becomes, how do we do that, right? How do we, how do we rely on God? Well, Jesus actually tells us. And this is a, this is a verse that I'm going to share with you that you've heard so many times. But I wanted to, I've never really preached on it. I've mentioned it. I've quoted it. I've had it on the screen many times before here at Northridge. But I want to talk about this, spend the last few minutes just talking about this. Because Jesus gives you the solution to handling the weight, to handling the problems in your life. Hey, this is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Again, most of you have probably heard this, but let's get into it. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, we don't talk about yokes very often, right? I don't know when the last time was that you saw a yoke, right? This is not a yoke. I literally made this yesterday, okay? You know why? Because you can't find a yoke, all right? We don't use yokes anymore, okay? But that's why I have to use this because Jesus knew what a yoke was and he used it when he talked about it. Everybody else would have known what a yoke is, right? Okay, so what is a yoke? A yoke is very simply something that you use to tie two animals or two things together so that they can work together to accomplish a mission. That's simply what it is. It's a device that links two things or two people or two animals together so that they can accomplish a mission together with their combined strength. Okay? That's what a yoke is. That's what a yoke does ties two things together so they can have the same mission. Now, did you hear what Jesus said? He said, take on my yoke. My yoke is easy to bear. It's light. It's better. It's much, much better than the one that you're trying to do or how you're trying to do it. Okay? Now, here's what we know. If I were to put this yoke on, yeah, it's a little awkward, but okay, there you go. All right, I'm trying not to lose my, my microphone. Okay, if you put on a yoke, okay, and you try to carry it, it's going to be difficult after a while. I could do this for a while, okay, but the truth is, this is not even how a yoke is designed, right? Because the yoke actually has to be kind of here, right? Because I have to, I have to kind of be on one side because a yoke is designed for how many? It's designed for two. It's not designed for one. And here's what we do as Americans, as humans, as people. We go through life figuring out our own problems. And so we try to, we try to prop the yoke on our side and then we've got our other, the other half of our life is trying to hold up everything else. That's, this is what we're trying to do. We're walking around. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine me trying to plow a field like this? Okay? Can you imagine me trying to tackle the different problems where, where I'm supposed to have somebody yoked with me, but I'm doing it all on my own. I'm doing it by myself. See, here's the issue. 
I think that a lot of people, maybe most people, and I dare say, maybe even most Christians, are trying to walk through life with the yoke on the one side and nobody on the other. Now, you don't know this, but this, this thing is digging into my back and my shoulders already. This, I chose a heavy board. There was another board and it was really light and I was like, no, I need a heavy board. That was dumb, but whatever. I could do this for a while. But after a while, you know what's going to happen? After a while, I'm going to have back problems. I'm going to have neck issues. I'm going to have problems. I'm going to get really angry. I'm going to lose mental health. I'm going to get stressed. I am going to be able, I'm going to, there's going to be things that I'm supposed to be doing that I can't do because why? Because I'm not walking through life the way that I am. And what Jesus says is, he says, take on the yoke that I have let me join you. Let's join forces. I want to be yoked with you. I want to be tied with you. I want a relationship with you. And, but here we are. We're like, Jesus, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Uh, and we struggle through life and we hit things that are unbelievably hard and we're doing fine when things are good. The economy's good. Yeah, we're fine. And then all of a sudden something happens. We're like, oh man, I'm feeling the weight. And Jesus says, yoke with me, yoke with me. We're, we're, we're good. Hey, I can, I can take so much of this burden. I think we need to stop thinking we can go through life like this. This is really uncomfortable. And it's going to cause issues long term. Jesus says, will you join with me? Will you yoke with me? It's really heavy. Here's the truth. So many of us are going through life with a yoke that was designed for you and Jesus. But it's just you. It's just you. And so all of a sudden something happens that hammers down on life and all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm feeling the weight of everything. The whole world is sitting on me. And Jesus says, just, just rely on me. Lean on me. Trust in me. I'm here. I want to take this. And understand that Jesus, Jesus is the one who took on the sins of the entire world on himself and then was crucified on a cross. Jesus can handle it. Because if we're going to be honest, life, life gives us sometimes more than we can handle. We don't like to admit it, but it does. And what Jesus invites us into is to be yoked, to be linked with him. So I started this way and I'm going to end this way. Do you guys remember what I told you was the key to a successful backpacking trip? What did I say? You need to make sure you don't pack too much what? Weight, right? Don't pack too much weight. So I, uh, I love backpacking. Clearly that first backpacking trip didn't kill my love for it because this is not the, the backpack that I had when I went on the trip. I had to rent one because I didn't have one. And so after I went on that backpacking trip, I went and bought this one. I've had this one since college. 
Okay, this is a really old backpack. It still works, right? Uh, there are some things I like about it. There are some things that I hate about it, but I'm too cheap to buy a new one, okay? But I love this backpack, and so I took uh, a group of guys, there were five of us, um, to the Rocky Mountains in uh, central, north central Wyoming. And uh, before we went on the trip, I explained to them, I said, listen guys, because uh, none of them had really been backpacking before, and I said, the main thing that you need to know, trust me on this, because I made the same mistake on my first backpacking trip, is do not pack too much. You're going to want to pack all of these things and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, these are the essentials. This is what you definitely will need, <clears throat> but don't pack more. Because we were going to camp above 10,000 feet. We're going to climb above 13,000 feet. This was going to be a no-joke trip, right? We're going to be out there for three days in serious, rocky, high-terrain mountains. It snowed on us one night. This was in June. Snowed on us. About, about a, a little less than it is here today, probably about an inch. It was like a, a little bit more than a dusting, less than an inch. But it snowed on us. I was like, okay, you need to make sure you have your stuff, but you don't need all these things. You're going to think you need this and this and this. Don't bring it because we're going to be in high altitude. It's going to kill you, right? And, and so uh, I talked to them about this. So we get on the trip and I look at the one guy's pack. <laughs> I was like, I told him before we left. I said, I would consider taking some stuff out and leaving it in the vehicle because this is way too heavy. I said, You're, it's not good for you. I said, it's up to you, it's your choice, but, but I'm just telling you from experience, this is too heavy. He didn't listen, he kept everything. He had like this fancy little tripod thing that you pop out and sit on. I'm like, there are rocks out there. How many of you wanna go on a backpacking trip with, with me, okay? And, and he had this like fancy stove that was gonna you know, boil water in like 30 seconds or something. I'm like, you don't need that either. It's, it's, that's like three pounds. You, it's, it's adding up. And, and he had all these other things. And he's like, oh, I just got this, I just got that. I'm like, you don't want that. I, I promise, I, I think you're gonna try to show off when we get to camp, but you're gonna have to carry it. That's the problem. And so we went through this first day and we went about five miles into the wilderness, all of it up in elevation. Like it was climbing the whole way. The first day was climb a whole way. Then the second day was kind of flat uh, and a little bit of a climb and then was basically back out of the wilderness. So the first day was climb five miles up the whole way. By the time we got to camp that night, he was so physically sick from trying to carry this pack, he actually had to go around behind some rocks and start puking, throwing up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sign up for a backpacking trip next week. If you're ready, let's roll. He was sick, really, really sick. And it was, I kid you not, it was just because of the weight. He, was, he struggled all day. And we were, and so the rest of us guys, the other four of us guys, he's back there going, you know, isn't that fun? Sunday morning, you're welcome. You haven't eaten yet, have you? Or maybe you have, and so you're like, I wish I had, okay? But he's over there doing his thing, and we're over here like, we're gonna have to carry this guy out of here. Five miles is no joke in mountainous terrain. We don't know what we're gonna do. So finally, when he comes back and, and, and he's like, I kind of feel like I'm hungry, and so he eats something, and then he starts to feel better. By the next morning, he was actually good, okay? cool but you know how we made it through the rest of the trip because we still had two more days to go we we switched packs he gave his pack to the most physically fit guy in our group that was not me by the way 
the most physically fit guy in the group, and then he gave his pack to him, which was, I kid you not, the most physically fit guy had the lightest pack, even lighter than mine. And, and they switched, they traded. So the physically fit guy, he was actually able to make it, but even he struggled because of the weight. And this guy was able to manage the rest of the trip. You know why he was able to manage it? Because he had released all of that weight. Let me ask you this question. What weight do you need to get rid of? What do you need to offload? What are you carrying today? What did you bring in with you today? What did you bring in now with you that you're carrying? Is it conflict at home? Conflict in your marriage? Maybe it's depression. Nobody would, nobody would able, be able to look at you and know that you're dealing with crushing depression. But the truth is you are. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're not even in here because you're online because you're just dealing with this crushing depression. What do you need to get rid of? What do you need to offload so that you can walk through this life in the way that Jesus invited you to yoked together with him so that you don't have to carry the entire burden. You weren't designed to be burdened all by yourself. You were designed to be yoked with Jesus. So what's the weight that you need to get rid of? Are you willing to surrender that? Maybe you need to choose to be yoked with Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's your choice. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do. Are you willing to allow God to take some of this weight and this burden from you? Because let's be honest, life sometimes gives, gives us more than we can handle. And we need to be honest about it. Will you allow God to take you deeper than you've ever gone? I'm gonna pray in a moment, but we're gonna sing a, a song that is a little bit more fast-paced, a little more encouraging. But I want you to notice a line in this song that we're going to sing. The song's called Deeper. If you know Deeper, it's fast. It's kind of, you know, take me deeper and all kind of stuff. But, but in this song, there's a line that says this. Every valley, every trouble, every problem, it says different things. Made me lift my eyes up. Makes me lift my eyes up. My question to you is this. When things happen in this life... Does it, does it push your eyes to yourself, to the problems around you, or does it cause you to lift your eyes up? Where do you look? Where do you go first when problems hit? Where's your hope? Where's your trust? My encouragement to you is lift your eyes up. Rely on God. Allow him to take you deeper as this song talks about. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, there is an opportunity for us in this life 
that you have invited us into to be yoked with you, to be to allow you to take us deeper in our faith. But sometimes the barrier, Lord, it seems like between us and you is our willingness to admit that we need you. Our willingness to admit that that we're not strong enough to handle everything in life. When we when we come up on situations where we we start getting pressure in our chest or headaches or various different things, Lord, and and all of a sudden when those things happen, those are indicators. Those are clear, obvious signs that what we're going through is not something that we're supposed to handle on our own. And so when we, we find those times, may we, as a result of that, go be willing to allow you to take us deeper with you, rely more on you, trust in you, and not allow ourselves to just lean on our own strength. It's so easy just to run our own race. Do what only what the things that we think we're supposed to do instead of leaning on you and allow you to carry some of this burden. So as we sing this next song, may it be kind of an encouraging cry, a, a battle cry for us to say, God, take us deeper, deeper with you. Even though there's troubles, there's valleys, Help us as a result of that to lift our eyes to you, to lift our eyes up and rely on you, Jesus, so that we don't have to walk through this life alone and carrying all the burdens ourselves. God, we pray this and we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.